Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. And we are inspired by the words of Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. So welcome back to season two, episode six of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. We are in part two of our conversation with Sean Forrest. So episode five, we were talking to Sean about his life and his conversion and all this great stuff that's really led up to this moment when he had this encounter with the Lord to begin a mission in Haiti of all places. So you can find out more in the podcast notes. I have this website listed there, Haiti180.com. And something, something pretty crazy happens in the middle of this podcast. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm letting you know that I, I have done something, friends. <laughs> I have done something that I'm really hoping that you all will, will rally around the Do Something Beautiful podcast and join with me in it. I'll just leave that teaser there. And I can't wait for, for you to listen, though, to what Sean has to say, because this is like really the meat and potatoes of what he is doing with Haiti 180, why he started this and, and really what's going on there and the need and Haiti for us to help take part of. So enjoy this part two of my conversation with Sean Forrest. God love you. God bless. And thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. This is season two, episode six, and we are in part two of our conversation with Mr. Sean Forrest. Sean, welcome back. Hey, Leah. Isn't, you- it, great, isn't it great to have me back? <laughs> It is so great to have you back. Let me tell you something. People love you. There's been such a great response. Everybody loves everything you got to say. <sighs> Keep going. Tell me more. <laughs> tell me how amazing I am. I'm sick of talking about me. You talk about me. <laughs> I need to start using that one. That's a good one. Okay. So part one of our conversation, we were chatting really, and we, we talked about all sorts of stuff. We were talking about you know, how much of a terrible person you were (laughs) and how you came to accept Jesus in your life. And uh, you came back to your faith, the faith that you were raised in. You came back to the Catholic Church and uh, you're hanging out and things are kind of slowly moving. You marry the love of your life in between all that, Miss Julie, which we we didn't mention the first time we were chatting, but we should have because she's just wonderful. She's all right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's all right you know she just basically does everything but you know. oh man you're right she with without julie none of this happened the mission absolutely nothing there is nothing greater as a man than when god puts something on your heart that is an adventure can be scary overwhelming and you go to your wife and say i think think God's calling us to go to a third world country and build an orphanage. It could be crazy, a little bit dangerous. That next response determines so much. And she's just like, well, then we got to do it. And that, that, there's nothing greater you can do for your husband than be that wife who's like, well, yeah, no, I'm just not going to encourage you. I'm doing this with you. And she is. Julie is very, very part of that. And we'll we'll talk more about that later. But Julie is you're right. It's so great to have somebody on your side who's not just going to say, well, that sounds like a good idea. Good luck. But are actively a part of the ministry and the call that God has put upon your heart, which is what happened. And we talked about that. You you actually went to Haiti on a mission trip with your church, and you had this experience when you were 
being you're surrounded by 300 orphan Haitian kids with only five caregivers. And you had that moment that changed everything. It changed your entire life. And so from that point, when you encountered this one child and you were, you know, playing with him and you held him, like what happened at that point, at that moment when you knew you had said that you knew that God was calling you in this very specific mission in Haiti to help the poor there. So what, so what next? Like, what do you do with that? Well, exactly. Well, the funny thing is what I started doing was going to other organizations saying, Hey, can I help you? I I think I can build an orphanage and I can do this program of bringing people over. And it was amazing. I just had people going, well, that's nice. Well, pray about that. And I'm like, uh, I did. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, and I got hit with so much negativity. It was incredible. Even um, pastor at my church and different, like saying, it's impossible. You can't do it. We're not going to support it. I'm like going, what is going It was, it was unbelievable. The negativity of the negativity that was thrown at me from, I'm like going, wait a second. No, I, I can do this. I know God's calling me. And then people just say, well, keep praying. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to pray till I'm 105 and die and not have done anything. You know, it's like pray, seek counsel and then take action. And so that's when God was like saying, no, 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 I want you to do it. I don't want you to do it through another organization. You're going to do it. And that's when I finally smartened up and I was like, oh, oh, OK, I have to do this. Right. Got it. <laughs> right. So so then I'm like, all right, well, I want to build an orphanage. You know, it was just going to start as an orphanage. That's, you know, it's funny. You know, now we we have all these buildings. And I'm like, how the heck do I acquire land in Haiti? And how do you even do something? I'm like, this is impossible. That's why I wanted to go through everybody else. Because I'm like, I have no idea how to do any of this. And what, so, and, so just for the record, okay, the website is Haiti180.com. And right. do you have any... Like, do you have a background in business or like finances or I don't know, something to kind of help you? I know. <laughs> no, right. No, I never mind. Why did I ask that? We're, we're friends. Cute. I know you. You're no. Well, it's good. It's good for the <laughs> listeners to know I have no skill sets. Um, so <laughs> it's as good as it gets right here. Sean Force. It's good. That's right. The one skill set I have is the ability to make space to invite people so that God can be incredible through them. So. That served me well. So, yeah, no, I, I don't know how to acquire land. I don't know any of this. I don't know rules in third world countries for owning. The whole thing's just crazy. So I was, long story short, I was running a camp. I used to run a summer camp, and this girl, Jana, was helping me. I, was, I ran her confirmation retreat years ago, and then I was her confirmation sponsor. And then she ended up helping me out at the, the camp, summer camp. And I late at night, the kid, you know, the rest of the campers are gone to sleep and we're just talking. And I said, you know, I just know God's asking me to build an orphanage. And she goes, oh my gosh, I'd love to work in an orphanage. And I said, yeah, but where can you acquire land in Haiti? And she goes, my old RA from Franciscan University is from Haiti. And I was like, you're kidding me. And she goes, no. And she gave me his number and his name was Louis Morosny. So I called him and just said, hey, my name's Sean. I really feel called to help the poor in Haiti. And he's like, we got to get together. And, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, we do. The next day he's over my house. No. Yeah. The next and day? Then, I did not know. Yeah. I did not know Oh, yeah. That. He's like, let's make this happen. So what I love about him is I'm a person of action too. It's like 
let's go. Let's just roll with this and then see what happens. Let's see. Let's create room for God to either open this thing up or put the kibosh on it. But let's, let's not get bogged down in details. Let's roll. And he's the same way. So he came over. We started praying. Next thing I know, he's like, do you want to come to my village in Haiti? I'm like, sure. So a couple of weeks later, I'm off to Haiti. I have no idea much about this guy at all. I'm just like, honey, I'm going to Haiti with some guy named Louis Morosny. And uh, I, I don't, I think we're going to just look at land. It was just crazy. So right. all of a sudden Hopefully we're there. he wasn't going to like, you know, take you off into some far off farm. And- <laughs> okay. I got to tell you something. Okay. This is, I, I don't know if you have time for this. Just real quick. Okay. I don't hear from him for like two weeks and we're leaving like the next day. And I'm like, I, I have no idea. Like how much money do I need? And all of a sudden I get this email from him and goes, hi, Sean, this is Lewis. Here's what you need to bring. We're going to need food. I need you to bring $1,000 for cakes and pastries. <laughs> I need you to bring $2,000 for sodas. And I look at Jewel. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, is this guy, is he shaking me down? So the two thoughts that went through my head is this. I don't hear from him for two weeks. And all of a sudden he's asking me to bring like $25,000 now for one week's worth of food. And, and I go, soon there's going to be some like king's <laughs> son who you have to like rescue <laughs> from some type of like. You're going to marry a princess. Oh my gosh, exactly. Oh my gosh. So I'm going, either somebody abducted him and they're using his information or he's crazy. What I didn't realize is he was talking Haitian dollars. So like $5,000 is like $20 in American. But he didn't specify that. I'm like, this guy's crazy. I'm not bringing $2,000 down for cake. Um, Anyhow, yeah. So for pastries. Yeah. I'm like, these better be incredible pastries, man. So we, we so, so, so we went to the village of where he was born and where he grew up and we prayed and prayed and prayed and we were in a cornfield and we said, yeah, let, let's put an orphanage up here. And then everybody said, it's impossible. You can't, how you can't get materials out here. That's impossible. And then I love when people tell God things are impossible and boom, that went up. Then we're like, you know, we need to put up a beautiful chapel here in honor of our Lord and Blessed Mother. And boom, this one of the most beautiful chapels went up. It's just gorgeous. And then we're like, you know, we need a school. Boom, we got this beautiful earthquake-proof, hurricane-proof school. Then we're like, you know what? The elderly are dying out here. They're dying alone in their huts. And so, boom, we put up two homes for the elderly. And then we're like, you know, people are dying by things they shouldn't be dying from. We need to build a medical clinic, and boom, that's where we're at now. So, when did Haiti 180, like, begin? What year? About 10 years ago. Wow. So, 2007 or so? Yeah. Um, Before the earthquake, way before that, we were already doing this, and... Yeah. So about 10 years ago, my goodness, that's that's when we first went over and that's when we were sitting in a cornfield going, I I think I want to do something incredible here. And so you just had these ideas and plans and then you just reached out and talked to people about it and people have been donating money to make all these happen. So you have the chapel, you have the orphanage, got the elderly home, two of them, one for the men, one for the women. And now you're working on building a medical clinic. <clears throat> and I know like I, I, so as people, if you listen to part one of our interview, you know that Sean and I are good friends. And so I know anybody who knows you in the speaking world associates you with Haiti immediately. I mean, that's just kind of like what you do. And I've known that about you for a while. So when we first met and everything, of course, I was like, this just really strikes me as something I just, I don't know, 
interested in. I didn't know exactly where the interest was going. And a couple of years ago, after some conferences that we were working together, you were talking, I remember you being on stage and talking to all this, this is a youth, youth event, youth retreat. And you were talking to them about how God calls each and every one of us to help the poor, you know, the poor in spirit, or literally the poor who are hungry and don't have a place, you know, to sleep or any food to eat, and how that all of us are called to this aspect of mission with the Lord. And then you told some stories about some people in Haiti that were just amazing and beautiful of the lives that they now have and, and the homes and the education that these kids have, because you've also been working with the school there too, right? Did you build the school? We did. We, well, it, we, Father Lewis and I went to Mexico. Um, this organization called Unidos Poreos brought us over because they wanted to help us out and they, they donated this prefabricated school. So we put two, it cost $200,000 to put the foundation in because it's a massive school. And they brought they brought up this school, and you've seen the roads out there. Somehow they got all this stuff out there and put up this awesome school for us. So. It's amazing. So now this school is available, not just for the kids at the orphanage that you built, but for the village. It's just for everybody. And anybody can come and go to that school. Correct. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So a couple of year, years ago now, after I was listening to you and talking, I kind of just felt convicted myself. I'm like, okay, what am I doing? And so I remember telling you, Sean... I want to go. And I know you hear that all the time, right? You hear people tell you all the time, oh, I want to go. I want to go. Yep. But I was like, I want to go. And God is good. And so I went to Haiti with you two years ago. Can I believe it's been that long? I need to go back. But I went and I brought my son Ambrose with me because he was only nine months and still nursing. And so I had to take him with me. And I was pregnant. (laughs) You're radical. I'm crazy. That you crazy are crazy. I couldn't believe it because I'm like going, all right, man, there's no way we're going to get her over there. She's got a nine month old. I love that she wants to go. That's sweet. Because like you said, a lot of people are like, dude, I'm definitely going. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. And um, you went. And I was like, this girl. All right. I love it. We're, we are so similar. It's like, no, we're, we, we're going. This Let's is going go. to happen. And it's not the easiest terrain over there. And so you got this baby on your side, this baby inside you. And I'm like, this girl is serious. We were, it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> I brought all my, I brought both of my kids there. But, and of course, I didn't know who, what I was having, a boy or a girl. But come to find out, it was a girl about six months later. Anyways, I had, so I had Violet inside me, Ambrose on my hip. And I was there in Haiti. And I wanted to see like, okay, I want to see what's going on with Haiti. When he, I, I went and I was there. I got to be with the kids. Oh, they're so fantastic. And what I love about the orphanage that you have here for this home for the kids is that it's different. These kids, you can't adopt these kids, correct? Correct. So tell me about that. Like, like why did you go that route? Well, we want, you know, our mission is to create well-educated leaders of faith for the country of Haiti. You know, it's sort of like, you know, it's I'm moving to Nashville, Tennessee, and they give free education at colleges for the first two years because they want to keep the best and brightest in their state. They don't want them to go somewhere else, which makes sense. And that's what we're doing with these children. These kids are going to be running the place when we leave as, as we expand. You know, they'll speak three languages when they graduate high school. And also, I think you picked up on this. We call it an orphanage because it helps with donations. But the way it runs, it's more like an, it's a home for former orphans. It really has the feeling of a house and these kids love each other and the caretakers love on them. Bennett Social, they're like child services over there. They said we're one of the best orphanages they've ever seen because of how clean it is and the joy of the children. 
So if we adopt, if we adopt one of the children out, that ruins that whole thing because they go, wait, we're not a unit. We're not a family because we can leave here. Then they stop bonding and they start pulling away and, and it destroys everything we're trying to create there. Yeah. So how, how many kids are in, are in the home? 37 right now. 37. Uh, wow. You, you've now you, you've added a few more since I've been there. I think there's like only 33 there when I was there a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we're one of the few that will take children with special needs too. And we have just some of the sweetest kids there too. So that's why it's great when people like you and, you know, college kids, high school kids come over cause they play with them. And you know, these, these are kids who would have been dead by now. And now they're reading, writing, playing, laughing, and you just thank God for God. I love it. I love, and they are. I've been there. I've witnessed it. I've played. I've played with them. <laughs> we have had a lot of fun, and they loved my son Ambrose. They were going crazy over him. It was just so funny. Like you would think, I don't know what I was going to think. I didn't know how I was. was it was all going to react, and how the kids would react to Ambrose when I brought him <laughs> with me. But they were. They literally grabbed him off of my hip and when they carried him and held him more than he's ever been held, probably even back home. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this is the best. I'm going to bring all my yeah. kids here and I'm going to have a vacation. I'm going to sit down and have a cup of coffee here and let the kids play with the kids. But they were amazing and wonderful. And you're right. Every morning they get they all come down and it's one family unit. The kids don't have that competition that naturally comes up in a traditional orphanage of like who's going to get adopted or who's going to come and see what kid they want. And I right. understand that that has to happen in terms of like, that's just how I guess the system is run. But here, because that's not available and when kids come into the home, they know that this is a family. So they see each other as brother and sister and they work together and they live together and they, and they, they do their chores together. And so you saw them in the mornings, wake up and everybody's helping each other brush their hair you know, wash their face, brush their teeth, everything, come downstairs, they eat their breakfast, and then everybody kind of goes over to the chapel and they have morning prayer and then they all get on the bus and then they head to school. And it's just, I mean, it looks very similar to my home, you know, of like getting the kids ready for where, whatever they're doing in the yeah. morning. And you're just like, this really is a home. This really is well, a place. The, well, the kids look out for the younger kids. It's just, it's really, it's really something incredible to see. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it was really awesome. So, and I, when I was there with you, we also got to check out the elderly home too. And that's awesome. And that's been a wonderful place where, and, and I remember being with you when we were there, we, we, we took a trip up into the mountains and I am so sorry. I don't know like the geography of really where I was at. So can you explain that for anybody who might know? The geography of, I'm where, so sorry. Of where the mission is, like, like where, like where in Haiti is it? Okay. So we're. The southeast of Port-au-Prince, there's okay. a peninsula that comes out, and on the end of that is Jeremy. So we're about a little past a quarter of the way out on that peninsula, up in the mountains of Miraguan. Okay, okay, yeah, that's what I remember. I just couldn't remember the name. So that's where we were. And I remember at one point, we had taken a truck up to the mountains, and we were checking on someone, because you had gotten a call that there was an elderly woman who might need some help and might need to come into the elderly home. And I was with you during that moment when when that happened and that was powerful. So we go into that home and it was such a sad situation of like just a woman not being able, not being taken care of and not being fed and cared for. And the, I guess the family wasn't able to be in a position to help anymore. Is that correct? Does my memory serve me correctly? Well, often what happens is the family, you know, 
they'll go a day or two without eating themselves. And then when they have enough food, who are they going to feed, grandma or their children? So grandma goes off to a hut to die usually, and she sits there, and she just kind of, if you look at most of these, they've got a little shack. Can't even call it a shack. It's just a straw hut. Their coffin, if they have a coffin, is above them, and then their grave is about 10 feet in front of their door, already dug for them just to die in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's why we're like, we can't let these elderly just die. And it's not that the kids are bad, that the children are horrible, that they just can't feed their mother. They can't feed their father. They're they're all starving slowly. But obviously, you're going to feed your child first. Right, right. No, so, yeah. so the interesting thing is we were setting up, we call these homes the Kai Martina homes. They're named after one of our children with special needs. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away. She was so ill when we got her and, and she died. So she, so we, to honor her, we named them Kai Martina homes. Kai means house. Um, so Martina houses. And they were going to be hospice care because we're going to bring these elderly down where they could, you know, come and die with dignity. But what happened is we brought them down. And when the kids from the orphanage came over and started visiting, they started perking up and this instant grandparent program started and they didn't die. So now they're in nursing homes. <laughs> that, I love it. We, isn't that amazing? We, we, we built a home for people to die in peace. And then they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love I mean, it. I love you, could it. Write a, you could write a book just on that right there. <laughs> That's so fantastic. So, and I remember being there and we ended up taking that woman home with us. Yep. Isn't that I awesome? mean, let me tell you something. I witnessed this. I remember you and Father Lewis were there speaking to the husband and the wife, trying to kind of get it like the background of what's going on and the need. And I watched the grandma. I watched her go into that little hut, take this tiny, tiny bag full of all of her belongings. It was, oh my gosh, it was so small. It reminds me of like one of the, of a, like a little play purse that my daughter Agnes has, who's three right. years old. It was so small and it was everything she had. And she was, she then took that, she put it off to the side. She then goes over with a big bucket of water in the side and she bathes herself and she tries to clean herself up so she can look suitable, I guess, to be to, yes. for us to take her. Not that we would need that at all, but in her mind, she wanted to, to put her best foot forward and it just broke my heart. And I am watching this. I'm sitting back in the truck and just watching it all unfold. And I'm watching this woman get herself ready and she's, she's ready to be taken. And right then and there, we have her with us in the truck and I'm like, okay, well, here you go. How you doing? And we brought her home with us. <laughs> I know it. And they're just so, they're nervous then when they get there. Cause we once picked up uh, one of the elderly ladies and she's like, I don't, I think I want to go. And she got all nervous and she sat there and all of a sudden people were doing her nails, her hair. And she's like, uh, yeah, I want to stay. <laughs> so currently now what you have going on. So like, you know, the home for the kids is, is built and the chapel is built. Like the projects now, what are the ongoing projects that you have going on? There's a, There's been a lot that's happened since I've been there in two years. Well, it's, the minute you start working on one project, it opens up a can of worms. For example, we built the school. It's awesome. We need housing for teachers. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Oh, wow. Right. So, um, you know, right now we're, we're building the medical clinic. And then that's our biggest thing right now is to build the medical clinic. Here's how it goes in my heart. I remember going to a hospital in Haiti. And I remember seeing this little girl laying in a bed. And 
it was too small for her and her feet were hanging over. And she was probably about nine years old, eight or nine years old. And I walked over to her and her eyes were just so jaundiced. She was just, her eyes, they were just so yellow. And I touched her head and she was burning up and she was just laying there lethargic. And I said, how are you? I said, Kumuye. And that means, how are you? And she'd go, Papi Mao. And she's just, the Haitian women, they sing when they speak. She's like, Papi Mao. That means I'm okay. I'm not bad. And then I said, you have a fever. And she's like, yes, I do. And I go, is anybody looking after you? And she goes, well, my mom and dad used to come, but I think my mom's dead and I think my dad's dying. So and somebody ha- people haven't come for a couple months for me. Oh. And she was just laying there burning up. And I realized she's not crying. And it reminded me of the children in the other orphanage. This girl wasn't crying because nobody comes. Um, Tears don't work. It hit me profoundly. Even now I'm speaking to you, it kills me. It's like, Leah, just picture if you can. This is brutal. But imagine one of your children, you're not around, and they're laying there with a fever. And no one's coming to them. And so that they don't even cry anymore because they're just, tears don't do anything. I just lay here. And I was like, you know, my kids, I get, I can get them to a doctor right away, instantly. I get medicine, I can go online. And I was like, it's just not right. It's yeah. not right that a little girl should be laying here. So out in our area, we don't really have any medical facilities. So what's the next step? It's like, we, we have to build one. We have to do it. And it's yeah. just so funny because I know nothing about medicine. I know how to break things. I have no idea how to heal <laughs> things. Yeah, and, yeah. No, it's... Um, um, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's the reality. I can't, as a mom, I'm having a hard time kind of, how we're trying to get through that. As a mom, I can't imagine. No, I can't imagine just watching that happen. And and you're right, it does. But there is something that we can do. And that's what you're doing. You're you're putting together this medical clinic. And I'm on your website now, Haiti180.com. And I went under mission. And then I see the clinic right here. And you've got the clinic and so what's going on with all of this? Can you explain to me like what I'm looking at? Because you've got like the total cost for this entire medical clinic is $220,000 that you need to raise. A measly $220,000. <laughs> I'll just try to check. Um, and uh, so, so these things have not been updated, unfortunately. But what we figured is if, if you ask people, hey, we need $220,000 when you donate, they're like, oh my gosh, what's my $5 going to do? What's my $100 going to do, right? <laughs> right, honestly, but yeah, if, yeah. But if you break them down, if you break them down, then it, it seems doable. So we've had people sponsor different rooms and it's it getting like you've done. Got somebody, oh, the see, I love this one, the birthing and delivery room. It looks like Our Lady of the Snows in Sun Valley, Idaho has picked that one up. Yeah, and they funded it. They for Christmas they said, "Boom, let's do this thing," and they knocked it out. They uh, did. Ladies, they did. Man, it's crazy. Fifteen thousand dollars. They oh just knocked it gosh. out. Gosh, I love that. That's near and <clears throat> dear to my heart, obviously, because Excuse I'm. Uh, I do a lot of that birthing and delivery. You know, it's kind of what I do lately with all my. Kids. Yeah, <laughs> you you are a birther. I'm a birther, so yes, it's kind are. of like a mission for me. It's part of it. So you have so so people or groups are able to like take these bite-sized pieces and raise money and that's how it's, you're kind of work making it all work out. Exactly. Because it's not just going to be any like this clinic's going to be great. We'll have a full-time doctor there but then we'll have specialists coming down cuz we're going to have, you know, you'll see a dental suite, cardiology suite, diabetes, a maternal care and ultrasound um Ooh, um wait, wait wait wait. Maternal care and ultrasound. Right. So when I like they that come one. in Yes. I do like that. Hold on a second. 
So, okay, now you you go ahead and then let me. Okay, so so you but you've sectioned everything out. Go ahead and right, do right. So that maternal care and ultrasound because most of the times the women will give. You know, they don't have they have no idea if their children are healthy or if they're healthy mm-hmm. before they even come in to deliver. There's they they receive no prenatal care whatsoever. Nothing. Right. So now we have this where, you know, you can get an ultrasound. Is the child breech? Is the child not? Um, and then we have, you know, lab work, pharmacy. It's just, it's going to save thousands of lives. Oh, my. Okay. So you have all this <clears throat> in here. So, so people can pick a room. Yes, they can. Okay. I think I want to pick a room. <laughs> I, want, I want you to pick no, a room. No, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. I do. I want, I want to pick a room. I want the maternal care. I want the maternal care and ultrasound room. I That's want, what I want. I want it. I want it. I want it. I do. I, that, I mean, that, that just, that, that's part of my heart, especially for women and babies and to get that care that they need because they're so like, I just, my third baby, Violet, she was breech all oh, the way my. up until uh, about seven days before I gave birth. And if I did not have that ultrasound to know that if I didn't have the care that I had, I have, I had a lot of care with her maternal care prior to birth um, to figure out some things that were going on and and there were some concerns and everything worked out fine but it worked out great and fine partly because we had that ultrasound and then the doctor was able to actually do this version where they actually like move the baby back into place and sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not but if I didn't know that I would have been um, in a position like if I was just a woman in Haiti and I was pregnant with Violet I would have been trying to give birth to a breech baby, which could endanger the life of the baby, you know, and it, it could have been it, it just there's a lot of things that could have happened. You could have had an emergency C-section. And I don't know, you know, talk about like if you're in Haiti, if you even have those types of capabilities in terms of the, you know, keeping everything sterile and the process and making sure that the woman doesn't lose enough blood and all those things that can happen. I don't know all of this, though. So many things that, can, that don't have to happen can be prevented, mm. especially when you have that maternal care and ultrasound. So. Oh my gosh, I went on way too long. Sean, I want that one. <laughs> you went on perfectly good. Have that one. Take okay, that. Okay, that's what I'm doing. All right. Okay, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it in in the name of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am taking on the maternal care and ultrasound and it is, let's see. Woo-hoo. Oh, look at me. Of course. Listen, I got, let me tell you something. I got good taste and I always have had expensive taste, you know, whether I liked it or not. And my taste bring me out to... It's a biggie. It's a biggie. biggie. It's one of the largest ones next to the urgent care and trauma. That's the highest one for 34,000. You know, I'm so proud of you because I thought you were going to go with the registration room for 5,000. I'm loving that you went for the maternal care. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That sounds like a good one. I'll just register people. No, 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 I'm taking it. I want maternal care. I want it. I do. And I think we can do it. I think. I think that we we can I can, we can get enough people to donate a few bucks here and there. I, I'm what what I'm going to do. All right, for all my do something beautiful listeners, I'm going to create a GoFundMe page. I'm going to put that link everywhere on social media that I could possibly can, and together we're going to raise this money so that women and those babies can get that maternal care and they can have those ultrasounds so they can have that beautiful birth and delivery of healthy babies and they know what to expect on the other end if there's any problems that they can help with on the on that so that's what we're gonna do wow thank you that is amazing you're welcome thank you sean i mean this is i couldn't even be able to do it if you didn't do do this and i just love that we all can work together on it you know see like i said 
all I do is create space for wonderful people to let God work through them. That's my job. Yeah. Well, I tell you something. The people who listen to this podcast are saints in training because they, they listen to me ramble, but um, <laughs> no, but I've been able to actually meet so many listeners and they're just fantastic. And I know that this is something that we can do and we will do it together as a team. Me and my do well, something beautiful people. The cool thing is, you know, that every dollar will go to exactly what we say it's going to. So I don't know how, how often do you get to be a part of something that, you know, is directly going to stop people from dying. It's just awesome. Right. No, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of things that we can do and we can donate to, but sometimes they go and I understand, but sometimes they go to a variety of different pieces of that organization or charitable event, but not directly to what you would want it to. So for this case, we have to raise, let's just say $25,000. let us just bump it up $100 and say $25,000. we are going to raise $25,000 for the maternal care and ultrasound room at part of the medical clinic here with Haiti180.com. And every single dollar will go directly to that. Correct, Sean? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. The only problem is that we need it by 6 p.m. tonight. <laughs> I'll just front the check, you know, because I work for the church and it's big money, big money I make. We're all getting rich now. (laughs) Yeah, right. Listen, if you want to make money, you work for the church because that's That's, where it's at. That's right, man. I'm with you. This is great. I'm so excited. I'm crazy pumped right now. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to, I'll get all the information. I'll have the GoFundMe page ready and available. It'll be in the podcast notes for you to click on so that you can be a part of this. This is going to be something that we can for the Do Something Beautiful podcast. This is exactly what it is because this entire podcast was created and inspired by Mother Teresa. I went to her canonization last year and Mm, I just knew that this is something that her life and her legacy was something that inspired millions and still does. And I just wanted to create a place where I could talk about people and things and, and stories that are really adding beauty to the world and, and making this world better for everybody else in it. And Sean, in all seriousness, and I know we like to joke a lot, but you and the team of Haiti 180, and of course your wife, Julie, and your kids, you really are doing something beautiful for the world. You're reaching out and you're feeding the poor and you're keeping the elderly from dying early deaths. And you're making sure you're putting this medical clinic together. You're putting the school together. I mean, what God is doing through you is phenomenal, and it really is something beautiful for all of us to take part in. You know, in the earlier podcast, I said I used a long time ago. I used to sing songs to help people get drunk, and now I sing songs to help feed children. And it's just so cool what the Jesus factor does. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, he just he can change anybody's life. Yeah, and thank God because. Right? The joy now of knowing God, what he's done for me and my family, and then just to, I guess I can just say it this way. Seriously, if God has done this by using me, my goodness, what he could do through the rest of the world would be incredible. Yeah, I agree, because you are a mess. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's so true. (laughs) Right? What's what's that famous saying all our speakers use? If the Lord can't find a cult, he'll use a what? (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep, he'll use an ass. He will. Um, Very often he does. Amen. 
Leah, you rock. Thank you for taking that on. You know what I love about you? Um, well, the fact of, that you say nice things about me, first and foremost. But secondly, what I like about you is that you take action. It's I got to be careful. I just don't want to say this. But like when you say you're going to do something, you do it. You say, I'm going to come to Haiti. I'm like, this girl can't come to Haiti. She's going to be holding children all over her. And she shows up and goes to Haiti. You're just you're amazing. Thank you for being some. Uh, be, thank you for being not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you for that. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing as you. You come. I mean, you come to a place where you you search for that longing and you search for that place of feeling like you're loved, you know, and not have to do anything for it. And I searched for that for so long in a variety of different ways that really led me to despair and in some ways darkness, truly. But you have an encounter with the Lord and you just know that nothing's ever going to be the same again. And you just know when you have that moment when Jesus really speaks to your heart and you can't ignore it. When you start listening to the Lord, you start listening then to his people and you start listening to the needs and the poor and everyone around you and you want to help. And one of the biggest things that I want to do in my life and in this work that the Lord's given me is to everybody know, for everyone to know the mercy and the hope and the joy of the Lord. And so it kind of comes out in a lot of different ways. And I'm very thankful to be able to have to take my part on to it. So thank you for saying those nice things about me. You didn't have to, but I appreciate it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue on and we're going to do the work of the Lord by being his hands and his feet. And we're going to raise $25,000. We're going <laughs> to raise, raise $25,000 totally for the maternal care and ultra. And let me tell you something. There is a part of me that is thinking, what am I doing? There's a part of me right now that's like, oh my God, I just, I just signed myself up for 25 grand. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, it's crazy. It is. But here's an, there's, a, there's a larger part of me by the grace of God that I know, I know that the Lord can do this. I know that the Lord will take this mission of raising $25,000 and I know that he'll make it happen. I know that he will. So I have no doubts. I have no doubts that this will happen. Like I said, we'll put it together. I'll create a GoFundMe page so that all of the money will go straight to Haiti 180. For this purpose, there'll be um, a whole section in there that'll give you all the information. I'll post some pictures up of me when I was in Haiti so you can see that I was there and all the fun that Sean and I had. And we're going to do this, people. We're going to do this. The Do Something People mm. podcast is going to put together twenty five grand, and we're going to get that maternal care and that old ultrasound room ready for the to be a part of the medical clinic. Now things are getting exciting. They are getting exciting. I just, you know, committed to 25 grand. It's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring you and all your donors over and we'll do a concert right there in that maternal room. Ooh, we'll just rock we it should. out. We should have like a celebration trip and we can just, anybody who wants to come, who has been a part of the process can come over. That's a great idea, Sean. We should, we should do like a mission trip over there and people can make their way and we all can stay there on, on the grounds and yeah. yeah, have a lot of fun. Have a celebration. Amen. 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 Sean, you've been amazing. Thank you for continuing this conversation with me and sharing all of the wonderful things you're doing with Haiti 180 with the Do Something Beautiful podcast. We absolutely love it and are grateful for everything that you, everything that you're doing and we're grateful for who you are. We love you, man. Oh, man. Praise be to God. All right. Once again, thank you for listening to the Do Something Beautiful podcast season two here and make sure Whenever you get a chance to go ahead and rate it on iTunes, 
give me those beautiful five stars and please leave a comment below. And I ask that not for my own doing, but because this is how this little silly business works of podcasting. So the more ratings and the more reviews, the more visible the podcast is in iTunes and the more people that will be able to get to, you know, donate money to the maternal care and ultrasound room and be able to hopefully be inspired by the guests here on the Do Something Beautiful podcast. So thank you so much. God love you. God bless. And we'll talk to you later. 